Welcome to another episode of the Two Shots Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Garcia, and we are bringing you an all-new episode after coming back from a holiday hiatus. This is the first episode of the new year, and how fitting is it to bring back the one and only, my good friend here, Noah Magaro, George of Pounding the Rock. Hey, Noah, how was the holiday season, and how have you been? Great. Yeah, I mean, I got to go to home to San Antonio. I got to see my parents. I got to see my brothers and their kids, and so... I really enjoyed that. We were all in the same house for Christmas for the first time in like five or six years. So really, really enjoyed that. But I can't complain. I, you know, I've, I've been enjoying the Spurs. I've been enjoying the season. And I'm really happy to just be talking Spurs basketball with you, Joe. So thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure always having you on here. Uh, but yeah, things haven't been so good for the San Antonio Spurs. I mean, they went ahead and beat the Pistons, and then after that, they kind of <laughs> are on a skid again, you know. But it's to be expected with the young team still trying to find their footing, so to speak. But the Spurs are already at the halfway mark of the season. The Spurs are at 41 games played through an 82-game regular season. And they are the fourth worst team in the NBA. Um, and, you know... I don't know. As, as a Spurs fan, you knew this was going to happen, but going through the season, 41 games in it, I mean, I think it's still an adjustment for a lot of the Spurs fans out there because uh, they're, you know, they had delusions of grandeur in the beginning of the season when the Spurs were on that five game win streak. But we kind of all knew that things would settle down a little bit and they kind of yeah. have. And the Spurs have kind of shown you who they really are. I mean, and and it's to nobody's surprise. It's not a knock on the team, and it's not a knock on the players because they go out and play hard. This is just who the team is currently. And through the 41 games played, uh, they are 27th on offense. They were 28. They're 30th on defense. That hasn't changed. 30th in net rating. And, I mean, they're the fourth worst. They have the fourth worst record in the league with 12.5% uh, overall picks and getting that top pick you know right now they're positioned to at least I, I think at this point uh i would have to say they're positioned to at least get a top three top four pick in the nba um if everything goes right for them yeah but yeah. through the 41 games played so far they are who they are uh what do you have you uh what can you go, go ahead and say about this team through the 41 games you know, while they're really, really bad, I think that Spurs fans can kind of take at least a little bit of solace in the fact that, you know, they're not the Detroit Pistons, they're not the Houston Rockets, they're not that bad. I mean, they're, they're bad, don't get me wrong. I mean, you just, the numbers tell the story, right? They're not good, but every single night outside of, you know, a couple of blowouts here and there, it feels like they're in every game, right? They're like, competing. Exactly. Even without Keldon Johnson, even without Devin Vassell, they give the Boston Celtics, who are first in the Eastern Conference, the Memphis Grizzlies, who are second in the Western Conference, a run for their money. And I think that's all you can ask for. They're playing basketball the right way. They're still sharing the ball. Are they turning it over a lot? Yes, they're a young team. They don't have a lot of advantage creators. They don't have those go-to scores. But they're playing basketball the right way. Pop is instilling good practices and fundamentals into them. And you hope that that pays off in the long run because you look at the Rockets, you look at the Pistons, what are they doing? They're losing for the sake of losing. They're not promised a pick. They're not laying a good foundation for the young players. You know, you might as well give them the top pick and, and it's wasted, right? So with the Spurs, I think if you're a Spurs fan, you have to be happy that they're trying. You know, they're not just outright trying to lose. They are trying to win games. They just don't have the personnel to do so. Yeah, it's like that that song way back when from, from the Fugees. 
killing me softly. The Spurs are tanking softly, Noah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're they're trying. That's not like I'm saying, oh, they're taking you. No, no, no. Look, let's get this. Let's get this straight. It's not in their nature to tank. It's not in, in Coach Pop's nature to tank. The team is going out there and they're trying to go ahead and, and win games and they're they're being competitive. But you know, after that first quarter, the the statistics have not been kind. If the Spurs are behind after that first quarter, it, it, it spells doom for the team. Uh, more than not. And we've seen that happen quite a few times this season, even going back to the outing that they had yesterday against the Memphis Grizzlies. You know, they were behind the Grizzlies most of the game. And then lo and behold, fourth quarter starts to come around. They start to make a great push. You know, it looks like they're going to have a make a valiant effort and come from behind and upset the Memphis Grizzlies. It was not to be a couple of turnovers here and there, some bad decisions. And what happens? The when the Memphis Grizzlies go ahead and get the best of this young San Antonio Spurs team. And and you know what? I'd like to point to the latest article that you wrote here, because um, you said, "What did we learn from the Spurs' <laughs> loss to the Grizzlies?" You want to kind of let us know a little bit more about your latest article on pounding the rock? Sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think there's only a couple of things. I mean, how much do you learn every game, right? I think one of the things you really learned is even though the Spurs are able to be competitive. They don't have a closer. You know, you could have had Keldon Johnson. You could have had Devin Vassell. They're combined, I think, nine for 30 on the season when it comes to crunch time, when they're shooting. It's not good. And no one else is very good either. Everyone else is pretty bad. The Spurs have the 26th worst field goal percentage in crunch time, the 28th worst, worst uh, you know, record in crunch time. They're five and 10. They don't get there that often because they haven't played a ton of close games, but they just don't have a closer. I think the other thing you really saw is Josh Richardson has done a lot for his trade stock. Over the last week, he's averaging almost 18 points per game, four assists, a couple of steals, a block. He's shooting nearly 40% from three. He's doing everything it feels like in his power to maybe get moved out of San Antonio. Not in like a bad way, but he's playing so well that if you're a playoff team, you're sitting there thinking you need a three-point shooting wing who can play defense. Josh Richardson is your guy. Now, can the Spurs get a first-rounder? I think so, and if that's the case, I know it hurts to move off from a guy who helps you win, but I think you have to do it. You kind of have to bite the bullet because you have Blake Wesley who's healthy now. He's just sitting out games. He's not in the G League. You want to get him on the court. You know, win or lose, you want him on the court. You want him to develop in the NBA even if he's not quite ready yet, and I think the last thing that you probably learned here is Malachi Branham has been awesome. He's been really, really good now that he's comfortable. He's, you know, pulling up in the pick and roll. He quick rip off of those catches on the perimeter and he can trap guys on his hip and he's patient and he's methodical and he can knock down the catch and shoot three. So out of all the rookies, at least this last week or so, Malachi Branham has really impressed me. So th those were my three takeaways from the Spurs game. But other than that, you know, Joe, to be honest, it's, you know, same old, same old, you know, you're, you're getting the kind of same thing every night, but I try to stay positive and, you know, I try, I try to provide some sort of insight for fans. So hopefully yeah. they enjoy that. Yeah, you know, and just to tell you where the Spurs are at, like you were saying, entering crunch time, our good friend Paul Garcia had put up some stats, and I'd like to go ahead and reference Paul. Shout out to you, Paul. Uh, he says the Spurs are 5-9 and nine, uh, when it comes to crunch time. They're 26 in the league, you know, in crunch time situations. The Grizzlies, 9-5, and five, which ranks fifth when it comes to crunch time situations. Just to show you the the gamut, the gap there that's in, you know, between both the the Grizzlies and the Spurs. I mean, the Grizzlies are a more seasoned team, and right now the Spurs 
they they're just not very good you know they're like I think going into the game, uh, Paul had put, you know, they were 13 and 28 overall was the record before the the Grizzlies. Um, and now they're five and 14 on the road, five and 21 versus the West. You know, and the Spurs, um, they're 0 and 26 when trailing by double digits uh, in, in a game this season, as we were stating, you know, yeah. once they fall behind quickly in that first quarter, if they're not at least tied or they're up on a team at least by a couple points. It doesn't bode well for this team. They don't have a closer. They're still a young team trying to figure things out, and they just don't have that experience that some of these other teams that have more uh, veteran leadership on their team have. And it, it shows, you know, especially when you're getting into those close games again, like we saw with the Grizzlies, when they really start pressuring this young Spurs team, they start making mistakes. They make turnovers rush shots, you know, that's the one thing that really irritates me with this this young Spurs team. Um, when you see them have the ability to, you know, almost close that gap and they're down by one or they're down by three and they have the ball in their hand and there's a ton of time left on the shot clock and they're just rushing and they're forcing the issue and they're, they have poor shot selection and, and crunch time situations and more more than than often that ball is going the other way because it's coming off of a you know a, a horrible shot, clanging off the front of the rim. Somebody on the opposing team gets the rebound, easy fast break, you know, or they get the Spurs on their heels because they're not very good in transition. And there you go. I mean, it, just little mistakes like that really irritate me. And and unfortunately, it, it's not going to get much better. They they can learn, but it's not going to correct the issue anytime soon. But the good thing is that this team is learning. And as you have stated, Malachi Branham, as of late, has shown tremendous promise. And that's the thing that I think that Spurs fans kind of forget. Um, you know, with the Spurs not being that great this season, it's not about the wins per se. It's more about the growth of the young core. And if you're Absolutely. looking at not just Malachi Branham, but also the growth of one Jeremy Sohan, it's been tremendous. If you see where these kids were, and they're kids, they're rookies, in October, in the beginning of the season, to where they are now, you should get excited if you're a Spurs fan because you're seeing some real growth out of these rookies. This is the, the, the future of the San Antonio Spurs. And you, you told us a little bit about Malachi Branham, but what have you thought about one Jeremy Sohan as his growth from the beginning of the season from October up until now? I think he was really good in December, right? You were seeing him sort of start to act as a pick-and-roll ball handler. He can find teammates in transition. He was able to knock down his free throws. I know that a lot of people wanted to make fun of him outside of San Antonio for the one-handed yeah. free throws. But to me, that just means that you care about winning. You care about getting better. And he's not embarrassed. Even Pop said it, right? Like, it's selfless. It's It shows that you have humility. You're humble. You want to go out there. You want to work. You want to get better. You don't care what anybody thinks about you. So... I've been really impressed with his ability to just try to work on things because a lot of other players who are shooting, you know, 20% from three, they just stop shooting threes altogether. Jeremy Sohan has continued to try to shoot it. He's trying to rework his form. So, you know, shout out to him. Now he has kind of slipped as of late, you know, in, in January, he's only shooting 34%, more turnovers than assists. His rebounds are down. His pretty much everything is down right now, but to be fair, they have played a lot of good teams from the Nets to the Grizzlies, and he had a good game against the Pistons, but it's been a tough month. But I do think the outlook for Jeremy Sohan, you, you got to look at it as, as a positive because he is such a versatile defender. He's going to make mistakes right now. But as you mentioned, Joe, he's, he's 19. You know, I wasn't perfect at 19. I'm sure you weren't perfect <laughs> at 19. Oh, he's no. not a finished product. And 
I'm excited to see where he goes from here because I think you can really only go up from here if you're if you're Sohan. Yeah, and, and Spurs fans were really harsh on him in the beginning of the season. You know, rookie, high pick. And he wasn't really known for his offensive prowess, and they wanted to see him, I guess, average double digits from the get-go. And that was not the case. But the thing that you've seen out of Jeremy as you know, the season has waned on here, 41 games in, he's become a lot more comfortable in the Spurs offense. And he's actually trying. He's moving well without the ball. He's moving well inside the paint. You loved his aggressiveness attacking, you know, sneaking in for those backdoor cuts, sneaking, you know, up the up court when teams aren't looking at him for an easy dunk, you know, and he has great hands, by the way, too. I've seen yeah. a couple of plays this season where Yaka Portal has thrown the ball directly towards his face. Jeremy Sohan is doing a backdoor cut and just catches the ball as he's in full stride, doesn't miss a beat and goes up and immediately dunks the ball. I mean, that was surprising. I never knew the kid had such great hands you know yeah no he's got tremendous hands I mean I, I don't think he's ever going to be that big of an offensive threat but he does all those little things that you talked yeah. about well I mean he's got great hands he can catch lobs he can catch balls on the move um, and on the defensive hand it, it kind of goes hand in hand with his skill set right I mean he's got those good hands to poke balls deflections uh, you know put a hand in guys face like he he's got great hands on both ends of the floor so I've you know, I, I can't say enough about Jeremy Sohan and I know some fans were disappointed in him but I think if you knew what he was coming out of college he's lived up to if not exceeded expectations like I think he's been everything that you would have hoped for as a Spurs fan oh yeah he's been a solid uh, pickup for the San Antonio Spurs and I believe they playing him right now at the power forward position yeah so I mean, you can't ask for more from him. I mean, he's going to be a Tim Duncan. No, no, he's not. But I mean, he's a very <laughs> solid pickup for the San Antonio Spurs, you know? So I think it's unfair when they try to make that that analogy, you know? Oh, he's never going to. Well, that's fine, but he is who he is and he's a good player, you know? So yeah. moving on here, I want to go ahead and talk a little bit about some of the roster moves that the San Antonio Spurs did um, this last week. You know, they made some some trades here, you know, that kind of, didn't make a lot of uh, waves here. It was not very sexy trades, but nonetheless, yeah. <laughs> they were trades that were made for the better uh, betterment of the team, you know. And the Spurs, they went ahead and made a trade. They waived Gorgie Dang, and the Spurs traded for Noah Vonley and cash considerations uh, with the Boston Celtics. Uh, the Boston Celtics are going to get a 2024 second-round pick protected, 31 through 54, uh, that was per Bar Bobby Marks of ESPN. And let's be honest. I mean, the, the, the second pick will probably never see the light of day for the Celtics. This was done just to go ahead and help both teams kind of clear the, a little bit of space, you know, as far as the, the Celtics getting rid of the Vonley, um, let's say cap, you know, they're getting rid of his salary. So they have more money on their cap space and the San Antonio Spurs getting the consideration cash considerations from the, the Boston Celtics, I believe that the latest article that I wrote, I, I was reading from Eric uh, Pincus of Bleacher Report, he was saying that the San Antonio Spurs actually came out on that deal by getting $1.5 million in cash from the Boston Celtics. So it was an easy yes for them. And the unsexy thing with a lot of Spurs fans is the Spurs immediately waive Vonley and Gorgie Dang only to go ahead and have a 10-day contracts roster spot open and what do they yep. do they immediately <laughs> sign gorgie dang again well it is not a sexy move the spurs are doing this to to go ahead and help the betterment of the team but at the end of the day they're still around 15 million dollars uh below the cap space or below you know the limit so they still have to go ahead and and 
find a way to spend that money. And doing trades such as this aren't sexy, but it does help them get closer because if they go, don't go ahead and spend that, what, $15 million, they're going to they're gonna have to pay that in bonuses to the, to the players that are on the team currently, much like Oklahoma City had to do last season. So these aren't sexy moves, Noah, by any means, but, I mean, no. they're smart moves. <laughs> what do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's just a good business decision, right? I mean, Pop in the front office are doing their due diligence. They're helping out a team who they've done quite a bit of business with from the Derek White trade where they got Josh Richardson back and they got that 2028 first-round swap and the other first-round pick and they got Romeo Langford, right? And they're just continuing to do business with a franchise that they feel comfortable with who's not in their conference. And honestly, at the end of the day, you know, even if they don't end up meeting that salary floor, you know, what is it to them to hand out that bonus to all the players, right? They split that leftover money amongst all the players on the roster. I, I just don't see it as anything but, you know, smart business move. You're building some good rep, you know, rapport with, uh, you know, an another organization. And, you know, maybe sometime down the line, they will help you when you need help. So I think it's smart. I don't think that there's, you know, anything sexy about it, but it doesn't have to be. They're not in win-now mode. You know, no, no trade that they're going to make right now is probably going to make waves across the roster where, oh, you know, suddenly they're contending for the playoffs or the plane or anything like that. But, yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. There really is no other way to look at this trade. Yeah, I mean, like I was saying, they're like the Spurs are currently $15.9 million uh, from the salary for, floor, and their cap space uh, currently is about $27.7 million uh, with their 14 players on guaranteed deals. One player, of course, now... Gorgie Dang took that took on that 10-day contract. So if they go ahead and let's say make another trade with another team and they immediately waive Gorgie Dang again, they're going to have that continuing 10-day contract roster spot be open for the foreseeable future if this is what they choose to do. But there's also rumors here, you know, the latest information um, from, like I said, Eric Pincus uh, from his article on Bleacher Report. And he's saying that, you know, you, Spurs fans can expect the Spurs to continue to make these kinds of moves. Uh, while they're not sexy, this is, you know, still a way for the for the Spurs to go ahead and, you know, try to, I guess, spend that $15.9 that they, they need to uh, in order to, to not go ahead and give those bonuses out to, to the players right now. And, um, you know, he was saying that a source close to the Spurs feels like they're going to be able to do, do just that by making some trades before the deadline, which is coming up here on February the 9th. Um, so there is some other stuff that the Spurs could do, and, and not only the Spurs, but the Pacers as well. And, you know, there's always talks that are going to be swirling around, you know, one Russell Westbrook and the Lakers. And the Lakers have shown interest in one Jakob Portal, so the Spurs could do a swap, you know, and go ahead and take on Russell Westbrook's horrible contract because they still have the cap space to do so for a first round pick. But if the Lakers want to go ahead and take on one Yaka portaling and, you know, give another maybe second round pick or something of that nature, maybe things can work for the teams, for both teams. But there would probably have to be another team that would have to get involved to make this whole deal work. So there goes the, the chink in the armor. Will it happen? Possibly. How likely is it? Who knows, you know, but those are just rumors. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I don't know if the Spurs are going to make big trades, but as I mentioned earlier, I really think Josh Richardson has to be the guy to go. Um, obviously not because I don't think he's a good player or he doesn't have value. Yeah. Again, it's like quite the opposite. You know, he is really valuable and he could walk for nothing this offseason, just like Jakob Pertl. But with Jakob, you have the insurance of being able to offer him a big role regardless of who you land in the draft. You have the money to pay him. 
Richardson may not care about money at this point. You know, he's getting towards his 30s almost. He probably wants to contend. He doesn't want to be with a rebuilding franchise forever. And if you're the Spurs and you're looking at it from a perspective of, man, we need some more lottery balls. Well, I think one of the best ways to do that is to move off of a guy who has clearly helped you stay competitive in almost every game he's played in this season. So I'd hate to see him go, but at the same time, the sound of better lottery odds and possibly getting a better chance to get a Victor Wimbanyama or a Scoot Henderson. I, I, honestly, I like that a lot more than just continuing to hold on to Josh Richardson. So the Spurs are kind of in that area where you're halfway through the season. It's time to kind of figure out what do you want to do? Are you really fully committing to this rebuild or are we doing what we talked about earlier, Joe, where it's like, yeah, you know, it's a soft rebuild. We'll lose if we can, but we're not going to try to lose. So it'll be interesting to see what direction they go in because it could change a lot for the future of this franchise potentially. Yeah, because currently, you know, look at the Spurs, and I believe the Rockets have the worst uh, record in the league right now at 10 and 30. Uh, and then it's the Spurs at 13 and 28. They're the fourth worst uh, team in the NBA. And they're only <laughs> more uh, horrible than the Pistons, who are 11 and 32, and the Hornets, who are 11 and 30. And everybody wanted the Hornets to do good this season, but that was not the case. And you no. could tell early on that that was not going to be in the cards for the Hornets. They were not going to have a good season. So unfortunately for Spurs fans, uh, that kind of burst their bubble a little bit. But regardless, I mean, the Spurs, I think, still, like you were saying, need to figure some things out here and, and decide what they actually want to do, which brings us to our next topic, because the way that the the current trajectory is for this team, they are still projected to get a, a top, you know, at least top five pick. But now they uh, went ahead and released news that Devin Vassell is going to be missing some games here because he he's had surgery on his knee, orthoscopic knee surgery. And there's no timetable on his return. But Coach Pop went ahead and did say uh, this last Friday that, you know, he expects that the, the likelihood of Devin Vassell returning would be sometime after the All-Star break, per Jeff McDonald of the San Antonio Express News. Um, so with that said, you know, Devin Vassell was an instrumental part to this team in the starting lineup. And now that he is not going to be there, you would think that, you know, some other players are going to wind up probably getting a little bit more playing time in the absence of one Devin Vassell. I mean, you do have... You do have that to look forward to, but unfortunately, with Devin not there, uh, I would I would I would go ahead and think that the Spurs are going to lose more often than they're going to win. Uh, so I'm going to ask you, what are your what are your expectations for the Spurs now that Devin Vassell's not going to be in the in the in the starting lineup? I think it changes things just a little bit. I mean, you know, it's only a two or three game sample size, but without Devin Vassell, they were you know, fine against the Pistons. It's not like they really struggled against the Pistons. They were really close with the Celtics. They were really close with the Grizzlies, who are both excellent teams that could be contending for a title this season. So, you know, while I think his scoring is is, is important and his playmaking that has become better this season is also important, I don't think losing him changes that much because philosophically the Spurs are going to do what they do. They're going to move the ball. There's going to be a lot of cuts. There's going to be a lot of flashes to the high post. There's going to be, you know, a lot of screens. There's going to be a lot of relocation and there's going to be a lot of passing. So, you know, whether Devin Vassell is there or not, they're going to continue to operate under those, you know, sort of rules of their motion offense, right? So, you know, are they going to lose more games? Probably, but let's be honest, they were really bad with Devin Vassell. And now they're still going to be bad without him. How much worse is it going to be? Maybe incrementally so, but, you know, he hasn't been very good on the defensive end, and the Spurs are really bad on the defensive end too. So I think it's kind of a wash, but Keldon Johnson being out too is 
probably going to impact things. Hopefully he comes back for that Alamo Dome game because I'm excited for that. Yeah, and currently with the Spurs depth chart, I mean, with Devin Vassell out, you have uh, Stanley Johnson as your shooting guard, you know, and then you have, yeah. you do have Blake Wesley listed as a, a, your shooting guard as well, but he hasn't played with the team. He's still with the Austin Spurs right now. Joe, I, I've got to be honest with you. Um, I'm pretty tired of watching Stanley Johnson play basketball. Like <laughs> he's a 26 year old who's going to be 27 sometime soon. He's a former lottery pick. He's been in the NBA for almost seven years now, nearly a decade. He didn't really do anything with his previous teams. He's not a developmental project. He's not a win now player. He's just a, a like a, a piece that is holding in place, right? He's just a, a little piece that's going to be here for a while. I would much rather see, you know, Isaiah Roby, who's younger out there. I'd rather see Keita Bates-Diop, who I do think can contribute to winning off the bench. I'd rather see Blake Wesley, but... You know, the Spurs fell in love for some reason with Stanley Johnson. He's shooting like 50% from three, even though he's a 30% three-point shooter for his career. Look, it's great that he's out there. I'm glad that he's, you know, maybe going to earn his way back in the NBA. But, you know, I just don't want to see it with the Spurs. I'd just rather see them invest minutes in those younger players. And, you know, no offense to Stanley Johnson, but Blake Wesley has been called up to the NBA with the Spurs for the last week, and he hasn't gotten in a single game. So someone's got to go. Uh, someone's got to go. I don't know if they haven't played Blake Wesley because, uh, you know, they're still wanting to bring him back slowly from from injury. I mean, if you're not going to play him and he's been with the team, you know, for a week already, I mean, don't you think you're going to go ahead and recall him sooner or later to, you know, back to the Austin Spurs so he can at least get some reps and playing time there? Because the last thing you want is just for your, your young player just to sit there and do nothing. Exactly. Yeah. And, and that's what kind of confuses me because when he was with the Austin Spurs, right, when he came back from, you know, that injury that kept him out for like pretty much the entire first half of the season, he was playing like 25, 30 minutes per game. He was the leading scorer. He was like clearly the go-to guy for Austin. And they brought him up and I thought, okay, well, they're bringing him up because one, they may think he's ready, but two, they need extra bodies, right? They need depth insurance. Yeah. And I was hoping that when they brought him back up, it was going to be a situation where, okay, Trey's the starting point guard, clearly. But now you have a backup point guard and they haven't done that. He just hasn't played. He's just been sitting there. In, in my opinion, I mean, it doesn't matter. Of course, it's nice to be on the bench and get to experience an NBA game and see what your you know teammates are doing and learn from that experience. But, Joe, I kind of feel like for young players, nothing's better than game experience. And whether that's in the G League or the NBA, I just don't want to see him sitting at the end of a bench and warming a bench like that. You know, that shouldn't be happening for a team that's rebuilding in there and, you know, develop mode talent acquisition mode like you know love stanley johnson i'm proud that he's out there but i don't want to see him i'm sorry i, I don't really want to see him and I, I again i think they really should consider moving on from josh richardson if they can get a first rounder because otherwise this dude's just gonna be sitting around doing nothing and i don't want to see that from blake wesley i i got you man but you know that's a that's a conundrum that we're in now with the spurs just like you said fall in love with stanley johnson i mean not only is Blake Wesley not seen any playing time, Isaiah Roby hasn't seen much playing time either, you know? And that's a shame because for everything that Isaiah Roby does well, he's a very versatile player. They're just not playing him. And I, I like seeing the kid out there on the court, you know? He does a lot of things well, you know? It's not like he's a superstar, and let's get that straight, but he's a very good, solid addition, you know? And like I said, very versatile player, and I, I like seeing him out there on the court. Same thing with Blake Wesley. Blake Wesley, to me, was a standout in the summer league, you know? I like seeing the kid, you know? He was exciting to watch, 
He didn't play very many games with the Spurs because, of course, he, he had that injury early on. But you still, you know, Spurs fans want to get excited for something. And I think giving the young kids some run, you know, versus, you know, going ahead and just going with your vet, it, it's going to be good for his growth. And not only that, but the fans want to see him play too, you know. So we'll see what they wind up doing as, as the season unfolds here. But that's a head scratcher, Noah. Yeah. And and again, like it's not it's not the biggest deal in the world. I don't want to, you know, get too down on the Spurs, but it is one of those things where I look at Pop and I'm like, that's one of his like old head, like stuck in his ways. Like you gotta earn it. And I get it, you gotta earn it. But at the same time, let's prioritize who's gonna be here. You think Stanley Johnson's gonna be here in two years, three years? No, he's not gonna be here. He's not gonna matter. He may not even be in the NBA anymore. So let's prioritize the guy who you drafted in the first round. Like again, not a big deal, just a personal thing. But please, Pop, that's all, you know, a late Christmas present, that's all I want. I just want to see Blake Wesley in an NBA game. That's all I'm asking for. Yeah, and speaking of NBA games, as we start bringing this thing to a close here, we do have a very important game coming up. Yes, the Spurs are going to go ahead and play the 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 Grizzlies again. You know, they're, they're <laughs> going to finish their back-to-back games that they have over there with them. That's not the game we're talking about. We're talking about the game, and that's coming up on Friday the 13th here in San Antonio. And that yep, is the yep. game at the Dome, returning to the Dome after what it's going to be, I'd say 19 plus years, maybe 20 years that they played a game in the Alamo Dome, which is at you know, least, yeah, at least quite some time. Um, and it's a big deal here in San Antonio. The Spurs want to go ahead and break the all time attendance record. And as of this recording, I believe there were around 1,200 tickets away from breaking that record. And there are 4,000 tickets away from actually selling out the dome entirely i think they're going to wind up breaking the record i don't know if they're going to sell out the dome or not i i would say it's going to be really close but either way i mean i haven't been to an alamo alamo dome game where there's been that many fans in attendance back in the old days when you'd go and see a spurs game at the alamo dome i think it was seating somewhere in the neighborhood of 32 to 35 thousand. and during the playoffs they would sometimes Peel back that curtain a little curtain. bit. Yep. <laughs> and allow more people to go ahead and sit in the seats. And there was a big, ugly blue curtain that separated the other half of the Alamo Dome. But in this occasion, they're going to open up the whole, do- whole dome. So there's not going to be a curtain there. And they uh, even showed video of, you know, the workers going ahead and installing the Fiesta Court there at the Alamo Dome. Different configuration from the NCAA games because it's not on a stage. It's just yeah. right there on the floor. So I'm like, okay, this is this is a throwback to how they used to have the setup back in the day. But there's an awful lot of space from where the fans are sitting up there, you know, and then you just have this big open space on the ground. So I don't know how they're going to go ahead and kind of fill that in as far as the aesthetics go. But either way, I'm just excited to be able to return back and watch this game, this historic game. And a lot of the Spurs Twitter faithful are going to be there. I got to ask you, will you be one of those? No, I will not be there. I've got, yeah, I've got some stuff that I got to get done here in Dallas. And then I've also got a friend's birthday. One of my best friends, he's actually going to be one of uh, of my best man in my wedding. So can't miss that birthday. Really excited for that. But also, you know, I'm going to be tuning into that game. I'm going to be tuning into that game. I'm excited for it. And, you know, our good friend, Carolina Teague, she she also tweeted, I don't know if you saw, but the Spurs are going to be giving out those little lenses to put over your flash. It's going to be Fiesta colors. I'm sure the aesthetic of that is going to be awesome. And Joe, as someone who, you know, I'm I'm fairly young. I didn't really get to experience games in the Alamo Dome. The only time I've ever been there was when Kansas played Memphis for the championship in 2008 for the college championship for basketball. 
and it was so crazy. They had lifted the curtains. Everybody was excited. I'm expecting that kind of atmosphere to be at this game. I'm really jealous that y'all are going to be there, but y'all better rock the house because I'm excited. I want to see y'all on TV. I want to hear the crowd through the TV, and man, I wish I could be there, but I know it's going to be a good game, and I'm sure they're going to sell it out. Yeah, I know that the Fiesta Bros will be there. I saw Ty's post, so I know Mac and Nick and they're all going to be there, and so yeah. are some of the other Spurs Twitter faithful. So we're we're all trying to see how we can kind of meet up either before or after and get a pick. It's going to be chaos, though, with that many people in there. The only thing that I'm hoping, Noah, is that we don't have any hangups here and that everybody is able to enter the Dome yep. and get to their seats before the game starts. Um, you're going to have to get there early. The city lots are going to be open, some of them with free public parking. Uh, the park and ride is also an option. If you want to go ahead and use the park and ride, I believe, from um, uh, Crossroads. So you can go ahead and I think it's like a dollar and 30 cents, something like that, uh, for, for a round trip or something, you know. So it's not a bad option. I mean, because if you're trying to go ahead and park at the dome parking and you don't get there early enough, good luck. You know, yeah. you might as well just go ahead and park far away and get an Uber and get as close as you can because you're going to have to walk. And that's the, the situation that I'm in because I'm taking my son. And, he, and my oldest son, last time he was there, I had him in my arms as a baby. Now we're coming back full circle with him being able to buy dad a beer now. So it's like, how wow. how thoughtful of you, you know, <laughs> I don't have to carry you anymore, but we're trying to get there. And he gets out of work around five, five thirty. <clears throat> so I'm like, that's a we're close one. You're coming close. Yeah. Dang. So Ooh. I told him we might have to just have somebody drop us off and I'm not even going to deal with the parking because I don't want to be driving around forever. Not only that, but you're going to be parked. Like you're going to be stopped in traffic just trying to park, you know, and you're going to yeah. eat another 30, 40 minutes. So by the time you go through the checkpoint, we're probably going to be late getting to our seats. So I said, no, nah, we'll probably got to be dropped off two blocks away or so and then just walk over there with everyone else. So, yeah, I'm trying to figure that out. It's it's just chaos, man, with that many people in attendance. Yeah, so. no, I, I agree with you 100 percent. And Joe, honestly, I, I don't think I meant it, mentioned this, but I think there's also going to be like there's a lot of old school fans who, you know, they still show up to the ticket, you know, gates or whatever, and they buy tickets oh, yeah. the day of. That's why I think that the Spurs are going to sell it out because they're already so close to breaking the record. Right. And then it's a, you know, a couple thousand tickets from there. I could easily see fans showing up and they sell out the tickets. So good luck to you. I hope that you're able to get there on time because I think it's going to be. Amazing. I think it's going to be one of those sporting events that are unforgettable. You know, like regardless of win, loss, we know Steph Curry is going to be healthy. I'm sure that Keldon Johnson is going to be back out there for this game. I'm excited for it. Again, I'm just really jealous that y'all are actually going to be there in person because I, I so badly wanted to go. No, I so badly feel like the Spurs need to actually win this game. Out of yeah. everything that's gone on throughout this season and, and this, the team not being very good, this is a must win. You're in front of us. You're going to be front in front of almost a sold out crowd making history. The only televised game that's going to come out on, to a national audience. You know, it's going to be on ESPN. You're going to have to win this game. I don't care what pop has to do. You got to win this game for the fans. This is it. This is the season to me. This is the season. Everybody's <laughs> going out there. They're going to want to want this one. Just give us this one game. You know, I'm hoping and crossing my fingers that, I saw that Steph Curry kind of tweaked a, tweaked his hand or finger the other day, so I'm hoping that they might rest him a little bit. You know, I wouldn't be mad. <laughs> you know, so yeah. the San Antonio Spurs can get this win. If they get this win, this is the one that I want. You know, as a Spurs fan, this is the only win that I want 
And whatever happens at during the rest of the season, to me, it's a wash. I have to have this one. Just give me this one. That's all I'm asking. So we're going to go ahead and bring this show to a close, Noah. But as we do, where can everybody follow you on social media and also check out all the articles that you got coming out? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at N underscore Magaro, M-A-G-A-R-O. You can also check my words out at Pounding the Rock. You can also find me at Compare Bet. I do some sports betting stuff there for them. You can also check my YouTube channel out. I've been doing, you know, some Spurs film studies here or there, some breakdowns. So check me out there. It's just my name, Noah Magaro George. And then finally, Joe, I've given in. I've joined TikTok. So I am on TikTok. I am making Spurs TikToks now. So if you want to check me out, I think I'm Noah Magaro George there as well. So if you can't find me, just look up Spurs stuff. I'm sure there's not too many Spurs TikTokers out there. But that's pretty much it. That's all the places you can find me. Uh, I guess our uh, Alamo City Limits podcast that I do with Dame, that'll be go- you know up and running again this week. But, Joe, thank you so much for having me. I hope you have a great time at that game. And, you know, I had a blast talking Spurs basketball with you. Hopefully they get that dub for you at the Alamo Dome. Yeah, not just for me, but for the rest of the fans. For the, the fan base. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but it's always good to have it. you on the show. Uh, always great talking Spurs basketball with you. And also, you can go ahead and follow me at Two Shots Podcast. I'm also on, on YouTube, so you can go ahead and give my, my lowly YouTube channel some love and subscribe <laughs> there, too. I have also joined TikTok. I, I went ahead and uh, entered the fold as well. No, I've been on there for a little <laughs> bit already trying to release some some Spurs-related TikToks, so... I think it's probably just me and you that are on there. I haven't seen anyone else do Spurs stuff, so I'll look for you because I'm sure I'll find you. I'm gonna look for you too because I'm 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 serious. I I don't think there's very many of us on TikTok, and that's not a bad thing necessarily, you know. So hopefully we can make that that platform grow a little bit for and give some Spurs love to the fans that are on there. And if you see us on TikTok, make sure you follow both of us, please. So for Noah Magarro George, I'm Joe Garcia. Thank you for watching and listening to another episode of the Two Shots Podcast. And like we always say, spread the love, stop the hate, be kind. We're out. Peace. <laughs>